one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome in, baseball fans, and welcome into the program. Again, this, of course, is Red Sox B. You should know that by now. You're clicking the links. You're following us. You're sharing us, which is always appreciated. My name is Darren Scali, of course, alongside Jess Thomas again this week. No Nate Rollins again. Promised me this was the last week, but we'll see. Otherwise, until then, Jess is graciously joining us again. Uh, Jess, we're killing it. You should just stay. This is it. This is permanent. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. He's done. Um, Before we move on, we got a great guest. We got the 14-year-old phenom. Jake Wesley on with us today. Before we do that, I just don't want, I want to remind you guys, after months of anticipation and hard work, CLNS Radio is proud to announce the release of our new mobile app. Now you can enjoy all of your favorite Boston sports podcasts from one place on your iPhone or Android device. Just go to the Apple I, uh, App Store or Google Play Store or go to clnsradio.com backslash iOS free or backslash Android, and you can go on there and get all the great content and listen to all of our post-game shows, podcasts, including this one, of course, and it's great stuff. I listen to it all the time. It's great companion in rush hour traffic, so definitely take take a look at that one. Uh, that being said, we are joined by the newest MLB phenom youth writer here for uh, in the Twitter sphere and in the baseball world, Jake Wesley. His Twitter handle, if you don't know it, is at MLB underscore NL underscore AL. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Not doing too bad. Not doing too bad at all. Um, I saw that you had a snow day today in conversations I read up on you on Twitter. Is that true? That is true. That is nice to have a snow day. You're in St. Louis, am I right? Yes. So a nice little snow day out in there in St. Louis. We had a nice storm up here a few days ago in New England. It was fantastic. I didn't have to go to work. It was great. Um, but that being said, Jake, obviously you're getting a lot of scrutiny for being 14, and you had to have known I was going to ask you this. I'm just curious, how are you dealing with the pressure of – one being wrong because you had the whole Cespedes issue, but not even just that aside. How are you dealing with being 14 and having the pressures of being a 14-year-old reporter in a world of adults not wanting you to be right? Well, uh, I mean, well, I try not to look at all the tweets and stuff people comment or mention me in simply because, as you said, uh, people are not always positive and stuff, and that may cause people such as myself to not want to do it anymore. But, uh I tend to avoid looking at those, and for the most part, things are on the positive sides for this. Yeah, that, that's a good attitude, I think, to have. Um, I think a lot of people are hesitant to believe you, I, but, hey, you still have the following on Twitter, and some bad press can be good press sometimes, but I think overall you have broken some big stories, I think, and you definitely are there on that one. But I'm curious to wonder, you don't have to give up who your sources are, and I'm not making you do that, but I'm just curious – how does a 14-year-old get sources? Well, uh, first of all, I contact people in the media and uh, lower up in the media, and I got pointed in the right direction. Um, I was pointed to someone high up in the Red Sox organization. We had a conversation. Uh, he was not willing to give me information, but he pointed me to one of the people that work for him, and that's the man who's been giving me all this reliable information while within the Red Sox, and that man has also provided me with other sources around Major League Baseball. All right, Jake, Jess Thomas here. Uh, I want to know, you are in school right now, you're 14, so I saw at a certain point that you were allowed to text or tweet or 
basically just use your phone during class. I want to know if that makes school more difficult, if it affects your social life or affects your grade, that kind of take over your life at certain times. Is that concerning to you? What are your opinions on that? I mean, uh, it definitely takes over some of the life and takes a lot of time, takes some homework time away, classwork time away, as you said. But uh, I keep my grades up. I have all A's and B's, so uh, my parents are pretty pleased with that. So as long as I keep my grades up, I'll, I'll fine on that front. Jake, I'm curious, but one more question of your your lovely uh, life here before we move on to some baseball stuff. Um, I'm just curious of what you feel teen reporters can do to really build the confidence of older reporters that like would allow you to get more credibility. Because obviously, it's hard for a lot of us to believe 14 year olds. Some do, some don't. What do you What do you think that you could do, or all teen writers can do, and reporters can do to really build the trust of us here as an MLB network? Uh, well, you got to be accurate. I mean, if your stories pan out or you have the bigger guys, such as Heyman or Rosenthal, confirm what you've said, uh, which has happened multiple times with myself, uh, that's that's how you get uh, credibility earned on your point and people start believing you. Uh, but, I mean, if you're always inaccurate, I mean, people make mistakes sometimes, as you said earlier, from what I did, uh, which is a huge thing. But, I mean, if, if you're accurate for the very majority of the time, people are going to trust you and... Uh, so this is what you have to do. Just be accurate and stick by what you say. If you backtrack all the time and say, okay, I changed my mind, do whatever, then people are not going to believe you. Yeah, it's definitely um, definitely an issue. Jess, you have one more question you decided to tell me? Yeah, yeah so Jake, um, do you feel like you're growing up too fast to getting on all these shows and being on all these podcasts and being such a, a big deal with all your followers? Do you I mean, I, when I was 14, I was I, I felt so young. Like I wasn't involved with the stuff at all. I feel like that would grow you up really fast. Or we need we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> exactly. We <didn't> have <laughs> <laughs> Is that concerning for you, or do you feel like that's a problem? No, I think it's a free benefit. Um, getting into this uh, lifestyle so early, I mean, it'll definitely help for like college applications and stuff to have it on my resume, and. Uh, It'll definitely. I mean, it takes away some of you said like your childhood stuff. I mean, can't sometimes you have to cancel something like maybe going to a party or hanging out with your friends uh, due to something big brewing in Major League Baseball. I mean, that happened with me uh, Friday night, but because of uh, Josh Donaldson uh, athletics thing, I had to stay away from doing some things so I could be up front and be uh, up in the knowledge with this, but. Uh, I mean, I think it'll help me more than it hurts me in the long run. I'm not going to ask what those things were. God knows what 14-year-olds do nowadays. I'm not trying to date myself, but <laughs> I'm telling you, things have changed since we were 14 years old, Jess. Um, that being said, we'll put that aside. I don't want to go too much into your personal life, Jake. We'll get to some baseball stuff here. Lester met with San Francisco today. His Reportedly, the Cubs have the highest offer right now at $138 million. Sox right behind him at 130. That's according to John Heyman of CBS Sports. What what do you think's going down with the Lester situation? Have you heard anything else besides what Heyman's been reporting? Well, after that, uh, Peter Gammons tweeted out that the offer was actually uh, around 140 or above. Peter Gammons said that, uh, on the other hand, and John Heyman said that as of what he had heard last, and Peter Gammons said he was informed this, which is what I reported a couple of days ago. The Red Sox had 145 and the Cubs 138. So that's still what I'm hearing. And then Peter Gammons, who I've been uh, talking with a little bit as well, that's what he's telling as well. Uh, the Giants, as he said, had a meeting with today. It was actually their second meeting 
Uh, they have an offer on the table, but I don't think they'll be able to uh, outbid the Giants and uh, the Cubs or the Red Sox and the Cubs. I'm sorry, and uh, I think uh, Steve Epstein's going to want want to outbid the Red Sox really bad. And the same goes for the other way around. Where do you think he ends up, Jake? I think he ends up with Boston. The only way he doesn't end up with Boston is because he's he and his family would be upset about him being traded. But I think that he, he he'll end up with Boston, in my opinion. And as I said, like if he doesn't end up in Boston, it's not because of the money. It's because he doesn't want to go back to the team that traded him. All right. If they do get, if you're right, Jake, and if they do get Lester, what's their next move? Do you have you heard anything? What they're looking to do? What do you think the Red Sox next play is? Well, uh, they're looking to add a pitcher with or without Lester uh, via the trade market as well. Uh, if they don't get Lester, look for a, maybe a Jordan Zimmerman or a Cole Hamill's possibility. But if they get Lester, maybe a Tyson Ross or Jeff Samarja, be number two or something. And also, uh, they've had talks recently with uh, Francisco Liriano's agent and uh, also Justin Masterson's agent as well. I don't know if Albert's been made, but there have been discussions. Yeah, I would definitely like Justin Master, and I've preached his name a bunch of times on this show. Jess and Nate can both attest to that. Um, but going, you mentioned Jeff Samarja. Obviously, the Red, the Red Sox have been in rumors, like you were stating, that the interest is there. Um, do you think they see him as a number two, or would they potentially pursue him as a number one? Uh, well, there is a ex- – I would be extremely surprised if uh, he was the number one going into next season. Uh, I think they believe that he has the ability to be a number one, but I think that they have the prospects and the farm system that they're not necessarily going to need for a while with the long-term contracts that they have in Pedroia uh, and uh, Sandoval and Hanley and other players on the team that I don't think they're going to be – they realize they're not going to be needing those prospects as much, and they could fill another need such as a really good starting pitcher such as Cole Hamels or Jordan Zimmerman or Annabelle Sanchez to be number one. All right. So going into the season right now, they would have if they got Lester, they could find number two. Hopefully, there's been a lot of talks I've seen about potentially even trading Mike Napoli eventually, if not this year, maybe after next year, let him walk and let one of their current players play first base. What do you think of the idea of trading Napoli this year, or maybe even mid-season to get something at the deadline? Yeah, uh, I talked to uh, one of my Red Sox representatives, and they said that. Napoli has definitely been discussed, but uh, if the trade happened, uh, people are wanting to see Hanley at third and Pablo at first. But uh, I asked uh, the representative about that. He uh, said firmly, no. Uh, if if there is a trade of Mike Napoli, uh, Henry Ramirez would be more likely to play first base than Pablo Sandoval. And that could happen, or Alan Craig could see time at first base. Yeah, Alan Craig doesn't really have a position at this point. He's the man in the middle of the woods by himself in the fetal position, hoping to find some playing time eventually this year for the Red Sox to get his value up. Um, Jake, what do you think, uh, other MLB news today, what do you think of the Nelson Cruz deal with the Mariners? I mean, that was well anticipated. Uh, A couple days ago, it might have actually been on Thanksgiving, I reported that the Mariners were close to the deal with a – Outfielder uh, wasn't sure if it was a trade or a free agent, but uh, it was leaked that it was they were about to do something big in the outfield position, and uh, I think it was a great move by the team. I mean, he's not going to be able to hit as many home runs as Safeco, but uh, he can still hit in other parts. He doesn't play all 162 games at 
in Seattle. So I think it's a great move, and it'll definitely provide the idea. We have to pitch to Camilla, but if we just pitch around him, then this guy is going to come up, and he can absolutely hurt us more than Cano potentially can. Yeah, sad, sadly for us Red Sox fans, you might see Robbie Cano's numbers go up just a little bit more with uh, Cruz going out there to Seattle. Do you know, I don't know if you've heard anything, I haven't, but do you know the reason why he's not in the Orioles system this year? Is it a personal issue, or was it just strictly the money, and he or he wanted to play in Seattle rather than Baltimore? Well, I think it was the money. Uh, the Orioles weren't willing to give him as much money as he wanted. Well, it wasn't necessarily the money. Uh, the Orioles didn't want to give him four years. Uh, the Mariners were willing to do that give him that fourth year on the deal, which I think was a solidifying factor uh, for him to go with Seattle. Uh, the Orioles are still in on Matt Kent. As for last night, there was a deal. There was a deal in advance talks uh, for a trade of Matt Kent to the Buffalo Orioles. All right. So Nelson Cruz, we know, is going to Seattle. It's a, it's a, um, it's a big deal there. It's, it's a little weight off of the Red Sox shoulders in, the, in terms of him dealing, having to play against the Red Sox in the AL East. Uh, obviously, big names to still pay attention there. Nick Markakis um, is definitely a big one there. They've been trying to sign him up long term, but something there in the way. Um, one last question I have for you before we let you go, Jake. Um, Andrew Miller is reportedly – the Yankees are really hard in looking at him here. What do you think the Red Sox chances are of bringing the, uh, the left-handed back, left-hander back to Boston? If, they don't, if he doesn't come back to Boston, which it might not seem as likely now, where do you think Andrew Miller winds up? Because his contract's going to be pretty hefty, and it's probably going to be the biggest of any non-closer in the bullpen. Uh, I do not think that Miller comes back to Boston. Uh, I think he's going to go to Detroit. Detroit has such a big need in the bullpen, and he may even have a closer role potentially if Joe Nathan falls apart in the season like he did this year. Uh, but I think that he'll go to Detroit, as I said. Uh, but the Yankees are also in on him. Uh, the Red Sox are in. Uh, there's about eight teams in on him, uh, someone reported earlier today. So any of those teams are a very good possibility for Andrew Miller. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. The 14-year-old phenom Jake Wesley here on Red Sox Beat. Again, his Twitter handle is, if I have it correct, it's at uh, MLB. What is it? Just remind me because I already forgot off the top of my head. What's your Twitter handle again, Twitter handle again Jake? MLB underscore ML underscore AL. All right, there you have it. Go follow him. He's a good follow. He's boosted his Twitter followers since breaking Hanley and Pablo, so it's a good follow. Jake, we appreciate the time and uh, enjoy what is MLB Hot Stove, and we look for your reports on Lester. Thank you. Thanks, Jake. All right, again, that was Jake Wesley, uh, the 14-year-old phenom, doing it out of school, doing it in class. Man, just before we go any further, I feel so old with him doing this. I know we talked about this a little bit off air, but come on. He's 14 years old and has a cell phone. Like, you brought it up. He doesn't even have his license yet. <laughs> yeah, seems a little bit young. I uh, Him throwing out all these numbers and these names and stuff makes me wonder what I was doing at that age, but I mean, <laughs> I was, what, at 14, I was in eighth grade. I didn't really know a whole lot about uh, reporting. I just watched sports and enjoyed them and could care less about everything else. Yeah, I was a super fan. I, I didn't care. I, it was bleed everything Boston, no matter what. I didn't care what anyone said. I barely knew what sports radio even was at the time. Exactly. And I made my brother half the time turn it off because I'd rather listen to music in the car <laughs> than sports radio. I didn't know anything at 14. I didn't know what I was doing in my life. I was an eighth grader having a good time, getting ready to go to high school, worried about puberty and all that crap. 
right? Like high, this gets four, four, you're in a high school, not like MLB insider stuff. Th- this gets fourteen thinking about college applications and like getting excuses from class, and he's not even in high school yet. It can be. I don't worry about college applications till junior year of high school. I didn't really worry about it till um, senior year. <laughs> <laughs> my point exactly we didn't worry about it and he just kid and many others not just him chris cotillo again being the big one who started the charge here for these teen reporters is a big deal and it, for me hey if they're right all the power to them they know what they want to do and go for it and they want to get a jump start they want to get a jump start and some of these kids might be the ones that we're reporting for a long time while we're talking future down the road on the radio i might be talking about these kids stories for a while now so who knows but either way, good stuff from him. I just hope they don't um, get ruined, you know, like just like ripped down, ripped to pieces because it's already happening. And I just hope it doesn't discourage them if this is actually what they want to do or if this makes them realize this isn't what they want to do. I, I guess I just hope they f- figure it out one way or another. Yeah, you know? I agree. I mean, hey, he, he Jake got some backlash for that Cespedes because he reported that Cespedes was going to the Reds for a pitch for pitching. And potentially, I think it was Zimmerman he, who he had returning. And he was completely wrong. And he said his source was wrong. He apologized a bunch of times, went backtracked on it, and said that he got rid of that source, was working on finding another one for that team. And he got a lot of backlash for backing off his story and not sticking to it, even though it was wrong. Um, and everyone else right away kind of hashed on it and said, all the reports I'm saying, and all these guys came after him. And they, they took that opportunity to really attack him and say he was wrong. Um, and now, look, now they don't I'm, take him seriously about anything. Exactly. So honestly, big on him for keep going. A lot of people could crush and stop, especially at 14 years old, could really stop doing what they were doing and really not focus on it. But hey, good to him. And keep, he's keep doing his thing and he's reporting and he's doing, he's working hard at school. Apparently he's keeping his grades up. I don't know how he does it. I wouldn't be able to do it all. I have um, no idea. <laughs> no idea how he does it at 14, but hey, good on him. Um, Jess, I want to talk about stuff he said now. It, uh, besides all the stuff about his personal life and his social life and God knows what he was bailing out on, on Friday night. Because, um, <laughs> again, again, things are changed between now and when we were 14. But he mentioned, we talked about him about, to, to him about Lester, and he thinks that he, there's a good chance he's coming back to Boston unless, unless there really are those personal feelings hurt. I know we've talked about it, Jess, but I don't think there really were that many personal feelings hurt between the team and Lester. And if there were, I'm pretty sure they got passed up pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't really, I haven't really heard a whole lot about personal feelings i don't think that's going to be an issue and at the current time and just looking at what people are i'm not exactly sure what he's talking about but the latest i've seen was wei and they said what you said this 138 million from the cubs and 130 million from the red sox i think jake was saying something about 145 i don't know whichever one's right either way it's very close and i don't think it's going to be enough difference for him to go somewhere else other than here I think the only way that Lester doesn't come here is if that money is like if they say the Red Sox offer of 130 was right and the, the Cubs say offered him like 150 and he really wanted that extra 20 million bucks, which 20 million bucks is a hard a lot of money to leave on the table. But that would then that would be him taking the hometown discount to come here, which he claimed he would, but I don't even know if he would take that big of a discount considering everything that happened. But the latest I saw was John Heyman reporting that it was 138 for the from the Cubs 130 and that they were willing to go over. Um, I did see Peter Gammon's report that he they are willing to the Red Sox are definitely willing to go over that 130 if not higher, um, pretty much to get clo- as close as possible to the Cubs offer to make sure Lester realizes that he should come back to Boston. So Lester's supposed to decide by this week. I don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah, um, hope it's soon. I mean, I hope it's soon. It's just like you want to you want to believe him. You know, like, we saw the reports back a while ago where he said that he would take less money to come back here. 
because he's comfortable here and stuff like that. I mean, I guess it'll be time to figure out, see how truthful he really is. I mean, I like to believe him. He hasn't really led people in the wrong direction on anything from what I could see. So I, I think he seems like a pretty truthful guy. So I guess we'll find out how truthful he really is. Yeah, I see Lester. I think we all see Lester as a straight shooter, really. And I think that if he wants to be here, and we know his family loves it here, um, there's, there's a good chance he'll be back here in Boston. If that does happen, there's a good chance this offseason is going to be one of the better ones in a while for the Red Sox because that lines up getting a lower-key second-tier pitcher, whether that be Jeff Samarja, which we'll get to in a minute, or someone else from the Red system or even anyone else, really, in that matter. You can even go get a St- Irvin Santana or or Carl Parvano, someone of that nature, even a James Shields, which might be a little pricey for a number two at this point. But I think that Lester's going to have all the dominoes fall, and if he comes back here, you might not have to trade Cespedes, which would be awesome because then you end up having Mike Napoli hit seventh in your lineup, which doesn't hurt anyone. Um, so definitely Lester's a domino to fall. He said he wants to be make his decision by winter meetings, and all of his meetings have been done now. As far as we know, he met with the Giants again today, according to um, Jake. And... Now we just hit him to decide. The winter meetings start next week, I believe. I think it's Sunday, if not Monday. Yeah, it's, um, it's Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's Sunday. Yeah, so it's winter meetings start Sunday, and he wants to be decided by then. And if that's the case, we might see a lot of stuff go down at the winter meetings because there's a huge logjam in this league right now, and everyone's waiting on Lester and Shields realistically to fall. Uh, Chris Cotillo also reported that said teams and available pitchers are waiting to on Lester and Shields at this point, and according to him, and GMs are expecting to. Has see Scherzer wait till later in the offseason to sign. So Scherzer might not fall off the board till closer to spring training. So that puts Lester and Shields at the top free agent pitchers. I think a lot of teams with the lower tier pitching opportunities to get rid of. I know the Mets are a big component. They're trying to get, sell pitching hard. They can't really do anything because Lester and Shields are still out there for free for the taking. So until that happens, you're really not going to see any of these lower tier guys move. So once Lester signs, once even James Shields signs, you're going to see a lot of movement it's from the Red Sox and just around the league in general, more than there already has been with this whole Nelson Cruz thing and some Arja rumors. But just once Lester goes, it's going to be quick and fast, I think. Yeah, it's a big week. If he, he'll go, we'll see if Shields goes somewhere, and then anyone's game from there on. I haven't heard anything about Shields, though. That's the thing. I haven't heard any peeps on Shields. I know. I'm wondering if, like, once Lester decides, if it's just, just going to happen for him, too, like, because he was the other big one. I mean, at the beginning of the offseason, it was all about. Lester Shields and Scherzer, really, right? Yeah, it really, and it still is. It's just they know. I think they just expect Scherzer to wait to sign, so they're just kind of working everything else out first. I don't know though, just because it just it's too, it seems like it's too quiet for me with James Shields because Lester's been out here making his visits, but I feel like there might not be anything happening because if the, if these if he was actually making visits to teams, I think we know about it. But and nowadays, yeah, you would assume we know. I mean, pretty much everything's reported. So yeah, it's kind of a mystery with him. He's just kind of like. Kind of fumbling around. Maybe no one wants him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> after the, after his debacle in the playoffs, who knows? But um, obviously the K- uh, Kansas City Royals would like to have him back. I don't think that's going to happen. But you got to think maybe they're the only ones who have really talked to him about an extension um, and signing there. Other teams, obviously Red Sox would be interested. Other teams, I know the Marlins, were in, I think, potentially came up and interested in him as well. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with James Shields. Um, would I be opposed to the Red Sox swooping in and signing James Shields with Lester? No, of course not. That's a great number two pitcher. Yeah, that would be great. That's fantastic. Then you go you go Lester, Shields, Buckles, uh, Joe Kelly, and then a fifth young guy and rotate in and out of that fifth spot if you have to. That's fine with me. And then you can eventually maybe have Henry Owens, if he's ready, come up later in the year. That's fine. I'm okay with that. 
I'm even okay with trading Clay Buckholz. And I saw earlier there were reports that there were some interest in the in, in the services of Clay Buckholz. I don't know why anyone would want to trade for Clay Buckholz, but there were some NL execs, which makes sense because the National League is a lot easier to pitch in, saying that there's a lot of untapped potential in Clay Buckholz. I think they're I right. Where I think there is. There is, but they just got. I, I don't know. It's in, it's all in his head. And if if any team thinks they can figure it out, by all means, give them what give us what you think because he's worth. But. I think the Red Sox plan on keeping Clay Buckholz and trying to untap that potential. They've seen it here. He's thrown no hitter. He's had a good success in here with the Red Sox. So, yeah, I don't I like expect him to trade Clay Buckholz. I would like to keep him because honestly, Jess, if he's a lower red rotation guy, even three, I'm okay with that because he's not as much pressure as a three starter as a one starter. Right, and then he's just kind of a dangerous guy sitting down there in the middle where you, oh, we're gonna get this team's third starter. Oh, it's Buckholz. Crap, we're not gonna we're not gonna have a good game here. Like that's good. That's good for us. Yeah, if he can figure things out this winter and going through spring training, and then you have Joe Kelly as a fourth starter, who honestly was a pretty solid return for Lackey, considering Lackey didn't want to be here. Anyway, um, Joe Kelly is a younger guy. He's got potential, and I think he fits, he'll fit in well with this rotation. And if you have Joe Kelly switch, uh, or Clay Buckholz pitching 3-4, and then a young guy is 5, as long as you can give me two stud pitchers at the top, not even two studs, but Lester, potentially, and one other smaller guy, whether, even if whether it be Samarjo or Shields, and then come at me with the lineup that we supposedly have with, with and that offense improving, it could be a dangerous team and contend with the Orioles. And I think the Orioles might take a step back, especially losing Nelson Cruz, and if they can't re-sign Nick Markakis. It would be very interesting to see what happens the rest of this offseason because if Lester signs, that leaves the way for a solid offense to stay together and potentially a lot of runs coming out of Fenway Park this year. Yeah, the ALAs could flip around again like it's done so much the last couple of years. It's crazy, and you got to think the Yankees are plotting something. I heard they potentially would be in on Lester, but I don't think he's going to go to the Yankees. I don't think he wants to play for the Yankees, let's be honest. I think he wants to be in Boston. I think he'll be in Boston. That being said, Jeff Samarja rumors lately are flying everywhere, and there there have been reports that, hey, the Red Sox could be in on him. Would you want Jeff Samarja? So I was thinking about that earlier. I was looking at his numbers. I'm not sold, and it's not because his record's 12 games under 500 for his career. His ERA is 3.85, which is pretty good, reasonable. But the thing about it, why I'm not sold, is because he's been with Chicago for his the white at uh, the uh, Cubs for his whole career, besides you know, half of last season. So he's been pitching on a team that nobody cares about. They're at the bottom of the league, and he's just kind of fumbling around with them, losing a bunch of games because they're not a good offense. So I'm not sold on if he's actually a good enough pitcher that I want or not. I think he's good. I'm not sure how good he really is, though. Yeah, it's tough to decide because, like you said, he, until he got traded to Oakland, he was a a National League guy. He played for the Cubs, and obviously his win-loss record's hard to go off of just because, hey, he was on a crap team. So it's hard to win games like that. But his stats don't speak for themselves, like you said, as well. So it's hard for me to really sit here and justify him coming here. Um like you said, his stats aren't great. His career ERA is 385. Um, the games he did pitch in the AL this year, he it was over three. Um, his his ERA just for the heat season was barely under three. It basically was a three. It was a 299. So it's tough to really justify the Red Sox bringing him in. Now, I kind I guess I would be okay with it if he was a two starter. But it wouldn't. I really don't see them. I don't want them to overpay for him. That's the problem because I really don't think that it's worth what potentially they the the A's feel like he's worth. Yeah, I feel like because, he's overvalued, definitely. Yeah, I definitely because the A's are real are, are selling um are selling high here. There there seems like Billy Bean is really doing some work to re 
replenish this team. Um, they just traded Josh Donaldson, which we'll get to later on as well. That just popped back into my head, which is a big deal. Um, but he seems like they're trying to sell, which they just acquired these guys, and now they're already shipping them all out. That basically, Billy Bean's admitting that he was going for it all this year and didn't do it well at all. Um, I think that lesser trade really, again, just proved to be the end of Billy Bean's season this year. But Samarja's value might be too high. I know the White Sox are on him as well, but they might be asking a lot for him, thinking that his value is going to be high. And I don't think the Red Sox really need to be playing that game if they're asking for too many top-level prospects for this dude. Yeah, I would say if you want to get him, I would. I mean, definitely let other teams look at him first. If we can't, if we're somehow unable to get like anybody else that we've talked about, like all of our number two and or two slash three possibilities in our rotation. If you can't get anybody else, then I think it would still be a good move to get him. But I it's definitely not like a first or second or third option or anything. Yeah, uh, it looks like. Um, I'm reading an article from the Chicago Tribune, and it looks like that they would be the favorites because potentially they have some pieces. I don't know who they're talking about because they're not great, but um, Samarja is from that area, so potentially would like to go home. I know he enjoyed playing in Chicago when he was with the Cubs, so potentially there's a Chicago piece to that element. Um, I'm okay with it. I don't really care if he goes there or not. It's not like the White Sox are going to do anything, but it was conflicted by this article here because he's, they're basically saying, oh, well, we want to win, but we also care about the future. Well, if you want to win, you're not going to go too far because the White, White Sox don't really have much to go off of to win now. Yeah. So I think Samarja would go there and basically be like what he was with the Cubs and just pitch and get his money and be comfortable at home. I don't feel like Samarja is really a big game guy. I, you saw, I mean, he pitched okay in Oakland, but not great. And he pitched against better competition playing for the A's rather than being in the National League. And even in the National League, like we talked about, his numbers weren't great. So for me, it's um, I, I don't feel like it's really worth going after him unless it's going to be not too much of an effort to get him. If it's kind of a low-key, under-the-barrel deal where it's not too much to offer and they can save some um, – some prospects and potentially not have to trade Cespedes, then sure, I'm kind of okay with it because then you can kind of figure out him and Buckholz at the same time. I think Samarja and Buckholz are kind of similar in the way they pitch and their mentality to the game. I think they're not really there both mentally all for it, which is kind of tough to do when you're pitching in Boston. Um, that's kind of another negative for me but because I'm not really a big fan of having Samarja and Buckholz because they're kind of the same pitcher. Yeah, you don't want to have too many projects where you're trying to figure out if, they, if they're able to pitch in Boston at the same time. <laughs> No, it, it it would be awful. It'd be horrendous because you. I mean, at least with Buckles, you saw him. He's been able to do it. He's pitched. He's had a good year here. He's been able to show it, and he has the support of the front office. Whereas Samarja would come in and be like, "Okay, this guy's supposed to be good, but if he's not, we can just deal him with the deadline." And it's kind of tough for a pitcher to come in that situation. Obviously, he doesn't have much say, but who knows? Um, so we don't because he's not a. <laughs> So I I don't think I really do. I mean I'm okay. Like I said, I'm okay with it if it's a second guy, low, really low value, and you trade him, you trade low, you're able to get him off their hands, and you don't have to give up Cespedes, and you can go in like that. But I don't think that's even worth it. I think at, at that point I'd rather still trade low and not have to get rid of Cespedes. Potentially trading prospects to the Reds or in that kind of case, or maybe even to the Mets. If you don't, if you get Lester and go to the Mets, there apparently they want to flourish off all their pitching. So if if they if they really do then screw it. Go after them all and see what happens and potentially not have to give up Cespedes. I'm okay with not giving up Cespedes because, again, it brings it just brings really good um, pot- uh, potential to that offense. I know you pay a huge risk in it, but just I don't 
if they can figure out to get if they get Lester and can figure out how to get number two without giving up Cespedes, I'm all for it. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, obviously you still want Cespedes if you can if you if everything works out. I still don't know what I do for the outfield situation. I personally would still rather have Cespedes than Castillo just because I don't know how proven Castillo is, and I think they paid too much to get him to be a little unproven. And we know that Cespedes is a good major league player. I mean, Castillo could be great, but if we can keep Cespedes, I'd rather do that. Oh, I completely agree. It's not. Um, it's real. It's Cespedes. It would be huge because you're talking about a set lineup with top three would be. We've talked about this: Castillo, Pedroia, Ortiz. Uh, Napoli would hit seven, and then four, five, and six would be interchanging Pablo, Hanley, and Cespedes, depending on matchups and stuff like that. It'd be, it'd be a killer lineup to have Napoli hitting seventh, and then potentially Xander Bogarts hitting eighth, and Vasquez hitting ninth, and those guys could both hit eventually. If Xander Bogarts pans out to what he's supposed to be, and then you have Xander Bogarts hitting eighth too, as well, there's really no room to wiggle, and it's like the old school Yankees days. So I'm okay with that if if that was to how it pans out. I'm cool with keeping Cespedes for a year, and then if he walks, he walks, whatever. It's not really that big of a loss if he walks, um, and you can potentially contend next year, which it looks like the Red Sox are really trying to do as long as the Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval things pan out and they both stay healthy and on the field and they pan out their positions. I'm not worried about Pablo Sandoval panning out. I'm more worried about Hanley staying healthy. But that being said, like I said, the Mets are actively trying to trade veteran pitching, and now – I want to give you how many names are here. Let's see here. Three names from the Mets. And Jess, I want to know if you would take either one of these. Bartolo Colon, <laughs> Dylan Gee, I think it's how you say it, and John Niese. Those are the three pitchers that the Mets are actively ship, shipping. Shopping. <laughs> shipping, shopping. Shipping, shopping, shipping, shipping, shopping. It's holiday season. We can use shipping. Yeah, we can do shipping. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone, by the way. Happy <laughs> We're we're officially in the holiday season, yeah, thanks God. December now, I guess. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. It's my favorite time of the year. I'm sure you're not the only one who thinks that. <laughs> yeah, I'm cra- crazy about December. But, uh, yeah, those three guys, though, Jess, none of them really speak out to me. I don't want either one of them. Yeah, um, I don't know a ton about them, but, I mean, obviously Cologne, but he's old. and He didn't work here the first time. No. Nice, <laughs> or Nies, or how you say his name. I think it's Nice. I, d- I don't know. Yeah, I don't. What are you, what are even his number? I don't even know anything about him. Nine eleven. I know okay. the names just popped up on MLB trade rumors. That's the only reason why I've heard of him. Yeah. Okay. He's pitched seven years. He's one game over five hundred. His ERA is almost four. Okay, and it's with the Mets. So, eh, take it or leave it. I'd say leave it. And the other one, who was the other one? Oh, uh, Dylan Gee or G. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that guy. That guy. He's pretty good, isn't he? I think I've seen him throw some good games. I don't know how good. I think he's got. I think he's got a pretty good arm on him. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. Twenty-eight. But, he's forty and thirty-four. Three nine one. Okay. So similar to Nice. Okay. So basically, my point is, they all suck, and I don't want either one of them. Yeah. They're not. They're not clearly not ideal pe- pitchers that you're like. Oh, I need to go out and get that guy. Yeah. They're a bag of baseballs, Jess. We can say it. I'm not going to be nice about it. They're a bag of baseballs. I don't want them. They're not. They're not good for this rotation. Maybe if you can get G to be convincing to go in the bullpen, cool. That's fine. But yeah. either way, no, those guys aren't starters in Boston. They don't. They don't belong in Boston. Now, look, I would rather them go get Johnny Cueto or Jordan Zimmerman. I know I said I would. I wouldn't trade Cespedes if it's all at all possible. But if the if the Nationals come at you and ask for Cespedes and some other prospects, and we'll give you Jordan Zimmerman. And you also get John Lester. I think you have to pull the trigger on that one. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Because because I mean there are reports there have been reports that Zimmerman is is on the block, but you really don't know how hesitant they are to keeping getting rid of him because they they were good. They won ninety six games last year. Who knows why you would get rid of him? But I don't know. I I just see Cespedes probably not being here as much as I want him. He could stay here depending on what happens with Lester. I think a lot of we're gonna have a lot more to talk about next week in terms of where we go from here just because we'll know what's going on, I think, because Lester will be gone off the board whether he's here or not. And that you might even hear some more news because winter meetings start on Sunday and we go up live on Monday. So it's a matter of, well, we might have some a bunch of guys signing. I know that Scherzer's the big one that probably isn't going to sign until after the year. Andrew Miller might not sign until after the new year, but there's definitely news on him signing sooner rather than later. Um, another name, quickly, because I just saw it in front of my face that's popped up this offseason is – Jonathan Papelbon in his trade value. Not talking about to the Red Sox. I don't want him back. I mean, it, would, it, it wouldn't work. I know he doesn't want to be here. But what do you think Jonathan Papelbon's trade value is, if anything? And I'm laughing as I ask you this, Jeff. Well, I've, yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen the articles today and yesterday that says that nobody wants him. So The Phillies don't even want yeah. him. Yeah. Well, and they stuck with him. After the cross grab thing, I guess. <laughs> I guess that kind of turned the, a lot of people off. His numbers but, have been pretty much okay. Like, he hasn't been awful, but I think it's just more the attitude than anything. Yeah, well, I don't know. I always, I mean, I'm biased towards him because I enjoyed the heck out of him when he was here because he was goofy, he was really good, and he obviously had a large fan base because he was just crazy, and people enjoy that in Boston. So, I mean, I I enjoyed him while he was here. I can see why people wouldn't want him as well, but I think he still has something left to give, so I think somebody should get him. I think I think so too. I think the big problem is is his attitude. Um, we all know his goofiness here was what made him popular, and then he, um, his his contract was through the roof. Um, he has a thirteen million dollar option for two thousand sixteen, um, which will vest if he finishes forty eight games next season. Um, that's a lot of money for him nowadays, but that's the contract he signed back in the day. Um, look, he's had consistently consistent numbers in the three seasons with Philly, but nothing to write home about in the. The trouble side, the stuff off the field and his attitude is something that clearly GMs are trying to stay away from. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Yankees swoop in and sign him because they have the leftover money. They probably have the money, and I wouldn't put it past him. Um, yeah, I wouldn't either. Obviously, and I wouldn't put it past Palabon and say, hey, yeah, I'll play for the Yankees. Screw the Red Sox. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's a, I think that's the only team really to keep on the radar because I know the Blue Jays and Astros potentially had interest, but I think that went away. Um those are the teams that they were trying to sh- sell him to. Um, that'd be funny if he went to Astro- the Houston Astros. He'd rot in Houston. But um, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? Just It's basically where Red Sox uh, stars go to die. Clemens went there. Now Papelbon. Ugh. Yeah, probably not going to happen. <laughs> a- a- uh, Andy Pettit went down there for a little oh, bit. Yeah. Just pe- pitchers, pitchers and baseball players go to Houston to just rot. Not a good baseball franchise. I don't expect them to ever be a good baseball franchise anytime soon. So get it, Palbon. Go to Houston. That's fine with me. But, um, yeah, so I don't think his trade value is not anywhere close to where it even needs to be or where it is at all. I think it's he's not going anywhere. I think he's going to play this year out in Philly, see where he ends up, and maybe if he has a good year and it's contender needs a closer still, a la the Yankees, then maybe he goes there. But I don't think his value is that high at all, Jess. It's hard to believe he's been in the league for 10 years. <laughs> I know he, he. Well, he was here young in this system. Yeah, he was. He was uh, twenty-five. It's it's definitely uh, remarkable to think too, because he wanted to be a starter, and he was pretty set on that, and he's pulled off of that since then. And obviously, likes to be the closer now, but still a big 
issue to worry about. John Powell on the nutcase. Still out there. Any team listening, go for it. He's still there. Yep, go get him. Phillies, Phillies are listening. Go, get on it. Go get it. Go get the nutbag. Um, but we'll move on from John Powell, but we don't need to talk about him anymore. Um, quick, actually, I want to get your thoughts, too, because I know I asked Jake about this earlier in the show. Um, what are your thoughts about the potential of trading Mike Napoli? Just quick. You don't have to go too detailed to it because it probably won't happen. But what do you think about the idea of trading Napoli for the right package? Well, I think for the right package is definitely a good idea because he's 33 years old and who knows how many good years he has left. But he, on the other hand, he hasn't really shown that he wouldn't be good. And he's obviously well-liked in Boston. and He clearly likes Boston since he ran around the city with no shirt on, um, which is pretty funny. So I think that it'd be smart to keep him, obviously, and you I want to see his production, and like you said, having him as like a six, seven hitter somewhere around there would be unbelievably great because he was a big part of the offense for the last couple of years. So I say if you get like a perfect package because of his age, go for it. But otherwise, forget it. Yeah, I think he's basically going to play all this contract, and who knows, he might retire or he might resign a couple of years. And really, depending on what the Red Sox want to do at first base, obviously they have options potentially. In 2016, if if he stays here for next year, Hanley can move to first, which might be the ideal situation. But they're thinking of signing Hanley for a year to play left or potentially having Alan Craig get back into the first base shape and play there. There's a lot of options at first base, but they definitely do need more production out of first base. Um, obviously, Napoli was hurt a lot last year and now coming off the nasal surgery. But he claims he's good. He'll be ready to go at spring training, so we'll definitely see there. Um, obviously, the big news, Jess, we talked about it with Jake as well, was the Mariners signing Nelson Cruz. The deal is a $58 million deal over four years. Uh, it's actually 57 with a $1 million signing bonus, so it is 58. But he also just, he got a million dollars just for signing his name on a piece of paper. Um, where can I do that? Yeah, that sign great. me up. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll sign my name uh, 10 million times if you want to give me $10 million. I'll sign my soul away for $10 million at this point in my life. Um, either way, Nelson Cruz gets $10 million for signing his name on a Seattle Mariners contract for the next four years, $57 million over those four years. I believe the $1 million is straight up into his bank account, meaning he has a million dollars richer as of today. Um, do you think it's a good deal for them? Do you think it makes sense? Um, it makes them better, obviously, offensively. It protects Robbie Cano, which we talked about. But does it help them push more into the playoffs? Obviously, they just missed the playoffs this year um, behind the A's and that, getting to that wild card spot. Do you think it helps them get over the hump at all? Or they, do they need to do more? I think it definitely helps. I mean, based on his numbers last year, he's he obviously still has it going. I mean, who who knows how much his his juicing uh, the year before or whenever whenever he was caught doing that. It was found the year before, but I don't know when he actually did the roids. But I don't know how much difference that made because I would assume he wouldn't be on them last year if he already got suspended for it. So and he had a great year over. What do you have over forty home runs? So uh, yeah. yeah, so he's obviously a very powerful hitter and a good guy to have. So I think it definitely improves them. I'm happy that they're going for it and trying to get in the playoffs because they've been pretty poor for a number of years now. But I think it definitely helps them. I think it's a good move. They he hit 40 home runs exactly on the okay. year. Um, so it's it's a good number. Um, a lot of people, including myself, question if there was any after effects of the roids and if they have officially worn off and last year was an actual year or if there, it was a after effect of the steroids and if he's going to hit like that this year. Obviously, people are going to throw the the, the, Nick, the notion out there because he's gonna, his numbers are going to go down power-wise because he's hitting in a massive ballpark now um, for half of his game. So you got to think his numbers – if he can hit 40 home runs while playing half his games at Safeco Field, you could probably put 10 more on that number for if he was staying in Baltimore. So – 
if he can get to 40 this year, it's a feat. I, I can see him around 30, maybe 35 max, because he has half his games at Safeco. Um, not saying he won't hit home runs at Safeco, but he's going to have to hit bombs to get home runs at Safeco. Um, so we'll see, obviously, the after effects of the roids. Um, what what would, what would I thought about, too, Jess, was just uh, my GM and me coming out. What if they went and got Scherzer? Well, that would definitely make him a lot better. <laughs> Just think about that rotation, because then you have that offense with those two guys becoming a one-two punch to mess with him, him and Robbie Cano, and him and Robbie Cano aren't going to ever be David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez, the one-two punch that we had here in Boston, but that's a pretty good one-two punch with Felix Hernandez and potentially Max Scherzer in your rotation. And don't forget about the mystery man, Kyle Seeger. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, don't want to forget about that third baseman. Oh, lock him up now. You're a $100 million man. Yeah, so. That's a, that's a value guy. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good Good team, those solid core around those guys. I think they're definitely doing something right. Especially, I mean, geez, I don't know if they're going to get Scherzer, but that would be that would be huge to have Hernandez and Scherzer there. I saw potentially too that the Mariners were interested in Samarja, but I feel like everyone's going to pop up in Samarja at some point just because he's out there and able to get he's available. Um, if they can add another pitcher to really with some capable capability on the mound to back up King Felix. That rotation's okay to me. They weren't terrible this year in the first place. So if they can get one more arm for King Felix, plus have Nelson Cruz coming in, um, their million-dollar third baseman, $100 million third baseman playing for them. And um, they like, they were so close to the playoffs this year. I really ho- I was hoping they would get in. They haven't been relevant really since Ken Griffey Jr. Um, was there in terms of winning in, pl- in playoffs. So I would love for them to get back on the map. They could have an exciting year. Definitely a team to watch. They really could. I, I, I'm i going to cross sports here because I'd love to do that. You can, all, you can all hate me for it, but I'd love to do it. You, I'm going to cross sports. They're, for me, this year, they're going to be the Washington Wizards of the American League. American League. I, the Wizards yeah. are a sneaky good team. They have the veteran presence. Yeah, see, I, I did a good job there, Jess. I like that. Uh, it just popped up, too. I'm really good at this stuff sometimes. I'm not just pulling it out of my butt. <laughs> um, but I think that he, they're going to be a sneaky good team to watch out for in all seriousness in 2015. This is a big, good first step. If they go out and get some pitching, it makes it even better of a first step. Just like the Red Sox, Pablo Sandoval, Hanley Mirrors, great first step. You've got to keep going from there, though. You've got to improve, which I know the Red Sox plan on doing. I'm sure the Mariners plan on doing as well. Um, another big next step for me, we'll just kind of transition into it for the Red Sox. Um, obviously, if you sign Lester, you go after another guy with, those, with the outfield out prospects and potentially get more of pitching, but Another thing we haven't talked about really is the bullpen of the Red Sox. Um, they definitely need some improvement. Obviously, you have Koji coming back. You have Tozawa still out there. You have some names who have been there for you. I don't know if I still trust Koji. I need to see it over a year or two maybe, which is the length of his contract. I think he's just going to be a bridge closer until they find someone else. But what about Andrew Miller? We talked about it with um, Jake Wesley earlier. I think he might be wrong. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm can say he's wrong. He's 14. I don't really know what his opinion is, but he, he said that he doesn't see like Miller Miller's coming back. Um, I think that if Miller goes anywhere, it's going to be Red Sox or Yankees at this point. I don't think Baltimore is going to get him back. You don't think Detroit though? What Jake said, you don't think. Detroit? Oh, see, I don't know. I, I it like kind of makes sense, but I, I haven't heard much of them in the talks. Um, I, I've seen some stuff on them, but I still feel like right now, I feel like the Yankees are almost the favorites. Well, I know Detroit wanted them at the trade deadline, but wouldn't give anybody up for him. So yeah, yeah, that'd be weird if he went to the Yankees. What about what about his hair and his beard? 
Yeah, it would have to go. He wouldn't be the same guy. He looks weird. I've seen his picture in his player profile on the website. Yeah, I don't like it. It, does, it doesn't look right. He belongs in long hair and a beard, yeah. just like Johnny Damon belongs with long hair and a beard. just doesn't look right without it. Um, yeah, it's like, it I, looks like the favorite right now. Yeah, it doesn't. It looks weird without everything there, the hair there. Um, but yeah, I, I I would love to see Andrew Miller back in a Red Sox uniform. I know the Red Sox are interested. I'm pretty sure from the, the day one after the trade deadline, they said they weren't throwing away talks of him coming back. Andrew Miller said he wanted to come back potentially. So you don't really know until he signed, but that's obviously a thing to look forward to. Just one to a hundred percent. Give me your likelihood that he returns to the Red Sox. I'm putting you under spot. Forty-five. Forty-five percent. I like it. It's not terrible. I can deal with that because I have it lower. So yeah. I have it at like 30 just because I feel like Detroit could sneak in and grab him if they really – because they, they, we know they wanted him. and he, They're probably playing the, um, oh, we wanted you at the trade deadline and we didn't really want to give up much for you because we didn't really feel like the Red Sox um, didn't have anything to go along with you. But we want you now and we really want you and they'll push for him. Right. But I feel like they there might be some bad taste in there because Detroit hasn't proven that they can win. Um, they 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 are a team that gets there but doesn't win um, the World Series. I know they they're going to put the whole you're going to be the one that puts this over the edge. Detroit's going to be an enticing situation for him. But I think that if the Yankees come crawling with some extra moolah, the, the pinstripes might kind of draw him in. So I, I have him going to the Yankees. Unfortunately, well, in my percentage, would you give it <laughs> to to the Yankees? Yeah. Okay, well if I have the Red Sox at thirty percent, and this is all out of a hundred. Okay. 30% to the Red Sox, I would say about 70% to the Yankees, and then, no, 60% to the Yankees, and like 10% to the Detroit. All right. Yeah, I, I think the, almost did my math wrong. There. I think the Yankees are definitely the, the front runner at the moment. Yeah, I think the Red Sox have a chance. I think they have a better chance in Detroit because he's played here. And he knows what it's like to play here, and he's seeing what they're doing to rebolster it. And he knows they want to win, and he likes it here. So I think that's why I give them the edge over Detroit. Um, that, I, but I'm not counting Detroit out. That's why I gave him that little measly 10% there. Um, but I definitely see the Yankees as being the high-profile uh, opportunity for them, right? him right now, and the go, the leader in that sweepstakes. Um, big deal I want to talk about, too, as well, Jess. Um, Josh, before we get off here, Josh Donaldson was traded from the A's. Billy Bean's doing something out there in Oakland. Um, he's going crazy out there, and he's trading everyone away. He's really reset, he's hitting the reset button on the A's. Um, what do you think of the Josh Donaldson deal? deal to uh to Josh Donaldson excuse me to the Blue Jays because now you got to play him more often well I think it's a good deal for the Blue Jays because he's obviously a good player he's in the prime of his career he's 28 so I think that's a a good deal for Toronto I mean I'm not really sure why Oakland got rid of him because he's solid I mean it was a trade so I don't I, yeah I don't get why they did that but I think it's a very good move for the the Jays. I wouldn't mind having him. He's a good player. Yeah, he's a solid third baseman. I, I'm sure the Red Sox had him on his radar, their radar, but obviously wanted Pablo Sandoval. Um, I believe I, I, who was the player that went back? I'm trying to pull it up quickly here, but I don't. Yeah, um, here it is. Uh, Brett Lowry. Brett Lowry. Okay, so Brett Lowry's not terrible, but obviously Jonathan's better. Yeah. And Lowry, you expect to go in there and be the everyday third baseman for the A's. Um, clearly they're trying to shed some money and kind of go forward rebuilding kind of, I, I believe. I don't see the A's being that great coming next year. Um, this was kind of their go for it year. Now they're going to have to start over, I think, especially. But they did get Billy Butler, so all's good in the world. Um, an aging, fall, slumping hitter. I don't believe he's going to do much for them. But um, 
Yeah, I think John. I think Josh Donaldson was a good pickup for the Blue Jays. It's just tough to decide whether or not it's going to be good for the Red Sox because now you got to play him more often. But I don't really believe the Blue Jays are going to do well until really they prove it. They're definitely trying though. They're definitely trying to make some moves and and uh, get back into contention because they never <laughs> never can quite put everything quite together and get a solid team that can go anywhere. So. Well, yeah, you even saw it this year. They were in first place and then decided to uh, lose it again because they don't play well for the entire season. Yeah, it's 162 games are rough. They got they need like 110 or so. Yeah, that's, they they would be good for like a 100-game season or like an 82-game season if you brought it down there to like an NBA-type season. <laughs> they they would love that. They'd win every year because that's what they do now. But um, they definitely have the potential. I think Jonas, Donaldson is a huge ad for them. I really do. I think he's a big deal. Um I think you're going to see some more offensive production for him. And it's not a terribly small ballpark in Toronto, but I think he definitely can hit some power there. It's not like he was playing in a miniature ballpark in Oakland as well. So um, you're not going to be seeing much of a difference there. He might actually be getting an advantage going to Toronto. Um, I'm not really sure the dimensions on both, but I'm pretty sure Toronto's a smaller ballpark. I think it is, yeah. I think Because, I mean, they, they, the Coliseum is – I mean, not the, I think it's the Coliseum, is it? Where the A's o, play? Is it the Coliseum? O.co Coliseum, yeah. Yeah, it's massive because it's a football field. So, like, it's huge. Um, so it's tough to hit there. And, and that's why Lester had a lot of success there as well, despite the playoffs. But um, a lot of stuff going on. I do agree with the Donaldson tra- issue in the trade. I believe it was great. Um, but, yeah, that being said, a lot went on today in the show. We had a 14-year-old phenom come on and chat with us. Great to talk to him. Uh, whether you believe him or not, hey, he's doing he's doing his thing and he's – Rocking it out in high school. I mean, not even in high school. He's in middle school. <laughs> rocking it out. Eighth grade, people. Eighth grade, he's rocking it out. Um, if you think he's wrong, just kind of sit back and question where were you when you were 14. Um, and if you were 14, how would you feel if people were coming after you? <laughs> I believe him until he's completely wrong. He's got two out of the three once he's really tried to break. So I'm all for it. People get things wrong. He's 14 years old. I, I give him the pr- price tag of approval for now. I know Jess might disagree with me on that one. Don't have to get into it. But um, it's obviously tough to believe a 14-year-old, and I, I get that one as well. Um, Jess, any final thoughts about the Red Sox moving forward this week before we uh, get out of here? Well, I'm interested to see how the rest of the week goes. A lot could change by the next show. I did want to uh, point out one thing that happened recently. There, uh, the Red Sox head of public relations, Dick Bresciani, died at age 76. Yes, he did. I forgot about days that. Days ago, yeah. Figured it would be worth mentioning. Uh, he was with the Red Sox for 42 years, and he was – a big deal. I've been seeing some stories, people just raving about him and how he was just, he was just a great guy and knew so much about the Red Sox. And, um, I see here, Larry Lucchino called him the team's institutional memory. So definitely a, a great guy with the team. And, um, he died Saturday. So two days ago, yeah, 76 yeah. years old. Yeah, he was, I, I've seen a lot of reports saying that he was a great member of the Red Sox family. And obviously we, Send all of our condolences to the Red Sox organization, his family, friends, and all the players, of course. And they, they all knew him personally, and they all thought him as family as well. Not just his family, but the, obviously the Red Sox organization. Um, good job, Jess. I forgot about that. Way, way to be paying attention. Yeah, it's a good thing to note in a, on a Red Sox. Sure. <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, obviously, he'll be he'll be missed sorely around Fenway Park, and it won't be the same right there for him around there for a while without him there. Um, before we sign off here, I just want to remind you guys um, – like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, we have our app out there now. I always want to go out there and have you guys get it. It's been a great release so far. Um, you can get it on the App Store and the Google Play Store. 
If not, go to tonsradio.com, iOS backslash iOS radio backslash Android if you want to do it. Uh, not directly from the store if you can't if you don't have the capability. What, with that being said, you can get all there. This post, this show will be on there. All the post game shows, all the podcasts are on there as well. Um, so it's great to listen to. Like I said earlier, it's great for rush hour traffic. I love it. It's great. It gives me all the up to date info on all of our teams. And it's good stuff, so uh, definitely go in there and download that as well as this podcast and other future podcasts. We appreciate you tuning in every week. And, again, Jess has been graciously coming in to fill in for Nate. Um, I've been saying it every week. Nate claims he's coming back next week, but every week Jess pops back up. So who knows? Stay tuned for next week because Jess might be back. Who knows? You we all we love you. You asking? You receive me? <laughs> yeah, right. If, if, if you want Jess instead, just hit us up on Facebook as well as, of course, our Twitter handle, Red Sox Beat. Um, if you have questions to ask, you can throw them up there as well. We'll answer some here. Uh, we're a free form show. If you have feedback, send us on social media. We'll get to you during the next show. Um, that being said, it's been a great week. Uh, winter meetings starting Sunday, December 7th, so right before we come back on air for next week. So enjoy the start of winter meetings. Enjoy the Leicester sweepstakes, potentially coming to Boston by the time we sign on. Um, and tune in to CLNSRadio.com for that coverage if that happens before we can get back on next week. Uh, until then, of course, for the lovely and always hardworking Jess Thomas, I am Jared Scali. Have a good week, everyone, and uh, enjoy some more off-season baseball. <laughs>